Hello and welcome to another edition of the Richard Haynes Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Richard Haynes of Manhattan Pacific Realty. We are a residential real estate brokerage where we focus on the housing market in the greater Los Angeles area, specifically the South Bay, Manhattan Beach, Hermosa, Redondo Beach, and Palos Verdes. Today, we have a very special guest joining us, Joe Spear of Joseph Spear Architects. We've got an action-packed show where we cover building in various cities here in the South Bay, Palos Verdes, Rolling Hills to Manhattan Beach. We also cover what construction costs may cost you when building a custom home here in the South Bay, along with what Joe's architecture business can tell us about where the housing market is going and so much more. We hope you enjoy the show. Here we go. Joe Spear, welcome to the show. Thank you, Richard. Happy to be here. We're fired up to have you. One of the South Bay's, if not greater LA's, premier architects. Uh, thank you, sir. Before we get into it, I just want to give a brief introduction of you, a, a summary, and then you can give us kind of the 60-second elevator pitch of what you do here in the South Bay. But I'd like to, to introduce Joe as Joe Spear, the owner of Joseph Spear Architects, Inc. His firm specializes in in custom single-family architecture. He graduated from the College of Architecture at the University of Arizona, and he currently lives in Palos Verdes Estates with his wife and children. Joe, that's a quick summary. Tell us what you do around here. Well, so, uh, yeah, architect. So um, I was actually, uh, I was raised in Palos Verdes Estates. I grew up here. I love the hill, right? I live in Palos Verdes currently, and uh, most of our architecture is focused on the hill. So I have a practice that is uh, 12 of us right now. And we specialize, you mentioned specializing in custom single family. We do that all over the South Bay. I would say of our South Bay clients, about 60% are on the hill. Palos Verdes, Rancho Palos Verdes, Rolling Hills, Rolling Hills Estates. I sit on the Rolling Hills Architectural Committee. Amazing. We review every project that comes through the city of Rolling Hills. And then we also do work, you know, tons of work in Manhattan Beach and Hermosa Beach. And then kind of a last small percentage of our clients is greater Los Angeles area. So we have Pacific Palisades. We have a project currently. We have a project in Malibu. That one's uh, 15,000 square feet. Wow. So, and then we actually just started a home in Maine. So that's definitely our, our really? furthest project for sure. Amazing. Yeah. So main focus, Palos Verdes, 60% of your business. Let's call it another 30, 35%, the beach cities. And then you head out to West LA and maybe a few vacation projects you for got people it. to let you know. And then of course, we also do some commercial, some select commercial and multifamily. That accounts for a small percentage of our projects as well. Love it. And where are you guys based? Our firm is in Redondo Beach, Torrance Boulevard, minutes from the ocean. It's a good spot to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Good kind of food. Good food. It's, it's central to kind of everywhere we want to be, really, right? You know, to the south is PV, to the north is Manhattan Beach. So it works nicely. Excellent. I love it, Joe. Now, 
I love that summary. If there's more, we'll have people get in touch with you at the end of the show where, where, where you will share where they can find you. But I want to get into architecture here in the South Bay. Yeah. The thing that I love about architecture is it's always changing. And in my business and the podcast, we're talking about sales and prices. And is the market strong? Is the market weak? You guys are an indicator of those type of markets, which we'll get to later in the show. You guys are constantly evolving with the trends and what's cool. Yeah. And I want to ask you here in the South Bay, what are some of the top trends that you're seeing right now? So that's a great question. Great question. So I think that the hottest trend currently by far in the beach cities is clean contemporary. Right. I think that is what the majority of people are looking for. That's the majority of what hits our South Bay magazines. It's what people are looking for. And I think that that trend is occurring because of its kind of minimalist look at things. Right. It's really a concept. Right. You know, contemporary architecture is about the most efficient way to do something. It's about maximizing openness and volume. And we also have these amazing views in the South Bay. Absolutely. And taking advantage of those views is easier when you have a minimalist architecture, right? Not a lot of extra walls, bare minimum amount of walls that's necessary to do something. And then from a material standpoint, again, just clean and simple and what's necessary in order to accentuate the architecture, but not a lot of ornament, right? Not a lot of additional frill added to the architecture. So I would say that's by far the most popular. Then you also have clean traditional styles still. So you still see like the Cape Cod and the plantation Mm -hmm. style a lot. And if you do have a more traditional architecture, it really is a modernized version of it. Right. So, for instance, with Spanish architecture, Spanish architecture is still popular, but not in the way that it was last century. Right. And now the way that Spanish architecture is popular is, again, heading towards contemporary, very Mm -hmm. clean. So large, clean arches with no casing around it. Right. Just very simple stucco or, you know, the windows, again, are huge there. You know, you would never see windows that size in classical Spanish architecture. But what is for sure out is Mediterranean. I don't think we've even has it, when, seen. When, when was it in style? Early 2000s? Feel, feel yeah, like it's a 20-year-old I, I, it's style. De- you, know, you know what's amazing to me is it feels like it never should have been there, right? Because <laughs> right. especially in like the beach cities, because Mediterranean architecture is meant to be in like a vineyard in the middle of like this, these huge swaths of land where you can have this, right. It's a, it's a dense architecture, Mm -hmm. right? It's heavy. There's a lot to it. And so when you try and cram it on a postage stamp lot, it ends up feeling like you shoved an elephant in a wine glass. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, no, totally. And what's interesting is, is all these trends you're kind of throwing at me. And this is one example. It sounds like my wife, Who's a millennial who wants that clean, simple, minimalist design? I feel like with all the noise of social media and emails and calls and texts, 
the 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 new quote unquote generation millennials aren't really new anymore but maybe they're the driving force of this next wave mm-hmm. it sounds like they're demanding more of these simple minimalistic oh, designs 100% and traditional architecture is not out it's just different, it's different. right it's sure. way different it's still it's cleaner and lighter and simpler and airier and of course requires more steel right it's yes. the structure changed completely because in order to have these huge expanses you have to you have to have more steel and and more concrete and everything in order to make something like that work whereas the architecture of yesterday was all just wood yep. stud middle of the century it was all just wood stud maybe you'd have you might have something steel but for the most part openings were small and walls were plentiful right for sure yeah. no and a lot has changed just like you see when i'm showing early 2000s homes they skew mediterranean yeah and when i'm showing homes of five ten years ago they really seem to skew that beach plantation yes. look the white look and i do see a lot more contemporary as you've been saying now let's go talk about you being on the board Oh, sure. At Rolling Hills. Yeah. You live in Palos Verdes Estates. PV is a very unique home market when it comes to building. You've got four different cities mm-hmm. and you've got an unincorporated area, which is County of LA. Right. You're obviously an expert on Rolling Hills behind the gates being on that board and you living in PVE, owning your own home. There's a lot to navigate there with the art jury. Can you share any ideas? tips or tricks or sure. things you need to look out for if you're considering doing a major remodel or building a beautiful custom home on the hill. So that's a great and very complicated question because there are about a <laughs> There's a lot to unpack to there, unpack. Joe. Whatever summary you can get for All us right. in layman's terms. So here's here's first thing I would say is if you are planning on doing anything on the hill and you're considering buying a lot or buying a house, for God's sakes, talk to an architect before you you do anything, right? Because there is so much to think about. And if you think you want to do something, it really doesn't mean that you can do it, right? There are so many rules, so many regulations. So you mentioned Rolling Hills, for example. In Rolling Hills, not everyone knows this, right? Many people on the Hill do, but you can only have one story right? One story behind the gates in Rolling Hills. Your house must be white, period. No exceptions. No exceptions. End of story. It has to be ranch style, right? That's really limiting, Mm -hmm. right? If you you come and you say, oh, I want this Spanish style home, is simply not going to happen. It's impossible. There are different styles that you can have in Rolling Hills within the ranch look, so there's, for instance, there's modern ranch, which is very post and beam. It's like mid-century modern almost. And there's a lot of freedom within that. But then you also have kind of traditional ranch. And then you have early Californian, which kind of actually heads more towards Mediterranean is what it kind of looks like. So not many people are doing that style right. right now. So it is limiting, but you can still do like a really nice architecture. You can really make it, it can really be excellent and really thoughtfully done but you have to like kind of the direction that it heads and in. The exterior. And I, I would say probably the interior though, you can do whatever you want. So yeah. if you want to have maybe a weird design, if we're calling that oh, yeah. a ranch home on the exterior, but you want to go high modern on the interior, you, 100% not, you, can you, do you, that. you can do whatever you want on the interior. Absolutely, okay. you can. It's really the exterior that's regulated. And then there is Palos Verdes Estates, for example. So PVE, 
And by the way, you mentioned kind of knowing everything on the hill. We have projects in every one of those cities sure and do. even the yes. unincorporated counties. You do. Right now. Ooh, do. I'd love to hear some of those juicy yeah. stories. Maybe so we'll get to that too. and we'll have you back. Palos Verdes Estates is, I would say, people that aren't expecting the process of doing an addition or building a brand new home can be very surprised by it because it takes a long time from a time perspective in order to get a permit in the city of Palos Verdes Estates. It takes about a year right now because it's about three to four months for the planning commission that decides how big and what size your home can be and the neighbors get to make their comments and everything. And then, of course, the art jury takes a while as well. And then you still have to go through the building department to follow the California building code. So from a time perspective, it can take a long time. And also, sometimes those, those meetings with the neighbors can get contentious, right? Sometimes the neighbors can say things that might be hurtful, right? They don't want change. They, don't, they want it to kind of stay the way it is. So it, it becomes a negotiation. But with all that being said... We know how to navigate it so well that if a client is patient and they're willing to kind of wait and kind of take an emotional step back from any neighbor comments, thick skin, thick skin, then you create value like none other. Right. I've noticed that because it's so hard to build new in PVE. Yes. There are so few new construction offerings right. or things that are current. The value you create by having it's a newly huge. built home, modern standards on trend. Right. You're a unique and rare home and your value skyrockets. 100%. If you're willing to put up with it, your your equity is multiple what you spent on it, for sure. And I have seen that over and over again. Watch my clients make a lot of money on their See, houses. See, and that's so. interesting. I'm going to stop you right there because from as, as a realtor, and a lot of people tune into this podcast for home value information, mm-hmm. South Bay home information, it sounds like there's an opportunity for homeowners who have the cash or funds or no the wherewithal question. to build in PV and create value. It's not a developer's paradise because it takes too long just to even get right. going. But if you build and five, six, seven years down the road, you have a lot of value. And maybe you do that every five to seven years. Absolutely. Whereas in Manhattan Beach, you're competing with probably some of the best developers around who do it more cheaply. They do right. it faster than you. And there's new construction all over the place. Right. Is, so you think there's an opportunity? I, I don't oh. want to put words in your mouth. Oh, I mean, I know there's an opportunity. Okay. At least at least if you base it on every single one of my clients that's done something. I've never seen, first of all, I've never seen anyone lose money from an equity perspective. Some Sometimes when they do the calculation at the beginning, they think, oh, okay, I'm going to break even and I'm happy with it. But by the time they're done and people really see what this thing is compared to everything else around it, I mean, it's unbelievable what they get out of it. So I think going back to kind of some things to think about, there are some like key things, especially on the hill, right? If you have, so I think soils are probably the biggest one. Mm -hmm. If you're building a new home or doing an addition, just because there's a house sitting there today doesn't mean you're going to be able to, it doesn't mean that the city even wants that house there at all, right? So there's some areas in PV that are, let's say in a landslide area mm-hmm. where there are houses where the city says, no, we don't, this is, we don't want a house there. Yeah. And so we're going to- Portuguese Bend, for Portuguese instance. Bend, right? Mm-hmm. And so in order to make it calculate, you have to have caissons that go to the center of the earth. That was an exaggeration, but, but still. Or, <laughs> they go deep. <laughs> they go very deep. <laughs> or you have to have these massive retaining walls or- or sometimes they just say no, 
right? Depending on what, what location you're in. If you're in the flying triangle, for example, Oh man. Yeah. Behind the gates, you can't, no chance. There's no chance, Mm -hmm. no chance. You can do a remodel maybe, and you might be able to add a tiny, tiny bit but you can't build a new house in those areas. That's fascinating. Cause I heard from a realtor one time who was selling home when, yeah, you can, you can yeah. build, but you have to be patient. And it's mm, like, no, no, you got to remodel. So we actually went through a, I had a cowboy client. Okay. He really wanted to try something in the flying triangle. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, I heard that you can do this and that. And I said, look, I, I've never seen it done. The county, they'll say, go ahead and submit for sure, because they don't want to say no to start with. But the restrictions that they put on can literally be impossible to fulfill. They can say, you need to have this, your structure needs to calculate in this way Mm -hmm. when the calculation is impossible. Sure. And so that's where it ended up with that one. Although a lot of this is who you get also, because we actually, we started with with a plan checker that was like, oh yeah, we actually might be able to get this done. And then that plan checker retired halfway through the process. And the new plan checker said, no, we're not going to do this. It's that dependent on who you work with. In a city. And, and you, you and your team obviously know all the plan we checkers do. in the South Bay and going like, hey, this one's going to let us yes. do this. This one's going to say no to that. Right. We know who to ask the questions of for sure. It's almost like you're a lawyer who really knows a particular courthouse and you go, this judge is soft on crime. Right. This judge is hard on crime. Totally. We hope we get this person. And, right. And you're playing that chess game. You also have to know what you're getting into, right? So again, PVE, if you want a house that is a certain height, you know that you have to negotiate, right? PVE, when you go to the planning commission, there's a negotiation that takes place. And so if you come in with something that's this size, it might be 80% of the size that you went in. And you have to know that when you go in and and to keep that in mind with your Mm -hmm. first application. Maybe your first application is larger, even though you don't want that large of a home to give yourself room to to get chopped down. And a lot of people are willing to take that risk, Mm -hmm. right? There's two approaches. If you do that, it takes a lot longer because you're at more planning commission meetings because they see that, right? They see that it's bigger. You know, you might end up with something more. If you go in with what you want, you might get in in one or two planning commission me- meetings instead of two to four planning commission meetings, but it might be smaller than what you wanted when you when you went in. So there's a few different ways of of going about it. You're a chess master, Joe. That's well, what it comes down to. You're playing chess a lot. It really it's a game, and I love the game. Mm-hmm. I think it's fascinating, and I know I know some architects were like, "Oh, I can't handle it. I don't like redesigning my my architecture once I put it on paper." And I say, "No, let's play the game. Yeah, let's have a, fun." It's a puzzle piece. It's a puzzle, right? right? And there's a lot to take into account. We gotta we have to make the client excited, and at the same time, we have to make the city accept it. And kind of melding those two isn't always the easiest, but it's fascinating to it's me. It's fun. I so, love hearing your stories about this. Stuff when we go to lunch. Now let's shift gears from PV to the beach and let's throw out Manhattan Beach. How does that differ from the hill? Are the, the rules more straightforward and there's less planning commission? And then I do know it oftentimes, and you have to deal with the Coastal Commission in Palos Verdes, but you're probably dealing with the Coastal Commission quite a bit in some Manhattan Beach projects. Can you tell us how that differs and some unique insights into that city? for building homes. So night and day. I mean, they are so different, I can't even tell you, right? So if Palos Verdes Estates, there are fewer rules on the hill, but it's more subjective. In Manhattan Beach, Hermosa Beach, there are more rules and they're more complicated. However, if you follow them, then you can do whatever you You want. build within those rules. Exactly. If you design a house 
to the rules and it completely decimates your neighbor's view, it doesn't matter. You are able to build it. And you know what's fascinating about it is the culture is different also, right? Everyone, when they buy their house in Manhattan Beach or Hermosa Beach, they know that if there's a tiny house, they just know that that could one day become something that blocks their view. Of course, there are a few people that forget that and they try and go to the city to stop it, but it's a very short-lived conversation. Then they move on with their lives, right? Whereas in Palos Verdes, it can potentially ruin relationships because it's so long and drawn out, right? So I've only seen that once, fortunately. But, you know, if someone's not prepared for it or if they have an especially difficult neighbor, which again, most, most of the neighbors that I've come across have at least been civil. But if they have someone that's difficult, that it takes months and months and months to get this done. And so it can be grinding on their psyche. Whereas Manhattan Beach, it's one and done. It's over, mm -hmm. right? It's basically you go in, you, you get it done. Your neighbor might grumble for a little bit, but then they get over it because there's not this long drawn out process to go through. And you then, mentioned planning commission PVEs about a year. It was so it could be minimum a year. So the the planning commission is like forty five months, but the entire process of getting a permit can be a year. Can be a year. And how does that differ with Manhattan Beach? Is it? I mean, I'm not saying things pre pandemic. Are pre pan. I mean, look, how do you compare both cities? Is yeah. Manhattan Beach exceptionally faster, just a little bit faster because so, of these rules? How so does that pre pandemic, mm -hmm. Manhattan Beach was noticeably faster. We used to be able to get a permit in Manhattan Beach in six months, right? It's sometimes four months if, wow. if it was a faster project. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Post-pandemic, they are short-staffed. They don't meet with you as readily. And so things take a lot longer. And it is really about a year now to get a permit in Manhattan Beach. Interesting. So it, it can be the same amount of time as PV? For now. I, I do think that Manhattan Beach wants to improve their timeline. They don't want to be as short-staffed as they are. They have somebody off on paternity leave and they have a few others that have this and that, and so they're not checking plans. But usually, they're better than this. They're usually able to get things done quickly. You mentioned Coastal Commission. Yes. Okay. So Coastal Commission in Manhattan Beach isn't too bad. So there's this thing called a local coastal plan, right? So basically, if a city wants to, they negotiate with the California Coastal Commission to be able to have jurisdiction over what happens from a coastal perspective. So instead of going in front, instead of having a full meeting with the Coastal Commission, for instance, Manhattan Beach has a local coastal plan. So they get to review their own coastal stuff. They get to make all of their decisions on how they go about interpreting the, basically they get to interpret the rules that were set by the Coastal Commission. It makes it a little easier, right? Because the Coastal Commission right now seems to be highly politicized. They want more housing. We all want more housing, right? But if there is a chance for them to force you to do something that's more housing or more equitable housing, and it's not even written in the code, they will force you to do it. For example, in Hermosa Beach, there's no local coastal plan. So everything goes in front of the Coastal Commission. If you have a duplex, for example, and you want to tear it down, you have to put two units back, right? That's a rule. You can't rule. tear down an old duplex and build a single family that's a home anymore. That's a California law, right? That happened, what, a, a few years ago, three, four, five three, years four, ago? Three, four, five years ago. Ed, Which is a huge, big deal. huge item for people to know because you go buy a duplex and go, I'm going to build my dream home by the beach. Yeah. 
You're you not, can't do that anymore. No. And that used to be all day long, no brainer. And right. if you make a mistake like that, that's massive. So as an aside, I had a huge when, this, when this law first came out, I had a client come to me with a 10 unit apartment complex and he wanted to tear it down because it was falling apart. Right. He wanted to tear it down and build something. Okay. This was in Manhattan. So he wanted to tear it down and build something, yeah. but he couldn't. And the reason is because the city of Manhattan Beach says, no, you, you, our planning code says you can only build five units on that lot now. But the laws of California say you must put back the full number of units, right? So if California is saying you have to put back this number of units, but the city is saying, no, you can't build that many units, what do you do? And the answer is you really don't tear down that building. You're stuck. The building is going to be there forever until something changes. Exactly. And so he ended up making kind of changes on the margin, but there was not much that he could do in order to make it something brand new. But... Anyway, so going back to Hermosa Beach. So two units on a lot, we tore it down and we wanted to do a new home in an ADU, which per the law, it counts as the two units, right? Right. Basically, you have like a, we want to do like a five or 600 square foot ADU and then a much larger house. Manhattan Beach would have been fine. Local coastal plan, they would have said, no problem. That follows the letter of the law. We're fine. We're interpreting all the coastal stuff. Done. But because Hermosa Beach has to go in front of the Coastal Commission and gets a full formal review, they said, no, we want it to be more equitable. So we want it to be more even from a, from we want a square footage. the ADU footage. to be larger to match the single That's family exactly home. what they did. It's and amazing. so we were one of the first to kind of get that because we, during that application phase. So we got away a little bit easy, right? We, we only had to increase it to like 700 square feet. Mm-hmm. But I was hearing a lot from other people as they kind of went through that they ended up having to do it 50-50. I was going to say they keep pushing. They, they started pushing. with you as the first one and you go, uh-oh, yeah. this is a red flag. They're going to start being more equitable where you could go to a client in Manhattan Beach and go, Manhattan Beach is in control of their coastal code, so maybe they're going to be just fine with it. But you have to know those nuances between the city, which is why, hey, if you're buying a lot or want to build a home, they've got to call you to hear about just Hermosa versus Manhattan Beach or Palos Verdes Estates versus RPV. It's that detailed. It is. And people need to start with you. Fascinating, Joe, with the ADUs and the Coastal Commission. I want to get down to some numbers sure. because I think this really helps our listeners when they're looking to build or do a, a big addition. You're always very good at giving realistic conservative numbers. And I know that's changed with inflation for both soft costs and hard construction costs. I remember pre-pandemic, you go, Richard, hey, 500 bucks a square foot is a very reasonable conservative number Again, pre-pandemic, that was a long time ago. We're going on almost three years. We've now had a lot of inflation. We've had job openings, not enough labor to go and build homes. Materials are squeezed, et cetera. Are you still at 500 bucks a square foot? Not a chance. What are Okay, so this is really valuable for listeners. What are you give us the whole number of you going, "Hey, if you're going to build a a new 3500 square foot home, what are the costs in general on a price per square foot and then can you break it down between hard costs and soft costs?" So I'm going to give you the hard cost first okay. if that's all right. That's the way I think. Great, so great. so basically we have it's about 600 maybe $650 per square foot. 6 right to now. 650 and that's just your construction costs. 600 to 650 that's just construction costs. Yeah. 
And then soft costs on top of that, I would say it's anywhere from 60 to $80 per square foot would be my guess. Wow. Okay. So I'm looking here and, and let's take the higher part of your range because 650 and just to break down hard costs and soft costs, sometimes yeah. we have new listeners, hard costs are your actual construction costs, your lumber, your foundation, outbuilding, your soft costs are your architect, your survey, your engineer, your soils reports, all those type of things yep. that are basically set up everything to build. Ar Is that architect, correct? Architect, structural engineer, civil engineer, soils engineer, survey, landscape architect, and then you have interior designer, mm -hmm. and then plan check fees at the city and permit and fees. Permit fees. And permit fees. And so city. that 60 to 80 is all Something combined. Something like in that. There. We could go 700 bucks a square foot, Joe, yeah. which just three years ago, we were at $500 a square foot. Now, I'm just calculating this in my mind. I've gone to clients and in kind of the highest part of the pandemic fervor of home mm -hmm. buying, a lot of areas started pushing $1,000 a square foot, which we even saw that in areas of Torrance, South Torrance, West Torrance. And I was going, this is mind boggling. Mm -hmm. But when you factor in that to build brand new, it's $700 a square foot. And if you just buy a raw piece of land or a two bedroom bungalow, you're probably already in a property for well over $1,000 a square foot. If you're buying an existing home that was maybe built 10 years ago for $1,000 a square foot, it's kind of a good deal. Yeah. And I'm not trying to say, oh, like, look, construction and building, you get something brand new. It's awesome. But like 700 bucks a square foot to me is a game changer when you are analyzing trying to buy that's a home. That's 100% right. And I think that's why, that's part of the reason why there's a shift in the market also, right, is costs have gone wildly out of control. Mm -hmm. And price of land, for example, hasn't followed suit yet. So here's the other part. So mm -hmm. that's probably a good average for the for like luxury homes for luxury homes, custom luxury, custom TV luxury homes, Manhattan because you homes. can still build production housing for $450, so like, $400, like a, a KB homes buying out in the Inland Empire. Exactly. Build, I mean, they're probably doing it less than 450 a square. They're probably, they, but, they could do 300 probably, probably 300. So then there's spec developers out there who are maybe building in Torrance or Lawndale right. or Hawthorne, and they're probably pulling it off in the 400 right. range. And then you go, Hey, the big, big developers are in, in the lower, like 300. That's okay. right. Got but it. gone are the days when you could build anything for $200 a foot. Oh, Literally, but, the materials are Gone are, are the days. That. that was only t 10 years ago. I know. I did a spec home with, with a client, and we were at 200 bucks yeah. a square foot yeah. literally 10 years ago. And now we're at seven, which kind of goes, hey, real estate's <laughs> an amazing it really inflation hedge. Yeah. And really, it's just these baskets of commodities that typically just go up. Well, so another thing that caused it is just general code changes as well. So we see all these things, and some of them are very good, right? And some of them are not so good and just cost more money. Like, for instance, in California, earthquake laws have gotten more and more stringent over the years. You need more concrete. You need more steel. Even wood framing is more expensive. You need heavier timber, that sort of thing. And everything's getting safer and safer and safer, but it's getting more and more and more expensive, right? So for now, here's the other thing. New home, you must put solar panels 
on your house. The, is that Must. Title 24 laws where they make you be more efficient yep. with the home? Well, absolutely, but you have that for sure, right? So Title 24 energy calculations, you have to have a certain level of glass on any of the glazing around your house. You need to have a certain level of insulation. But then on top of that, solar panels are also required. You build an ADU and you have to put solar panels on anything, now, correct? Anything. Amazing. Yeah. And that solar panels are what? 25, 50 grand, depending on the size. Right. That's a decent that's chunk a of money. That's a huge chunk and, of money. And when you consider that that's just one of the rules, mm-hmm. right? That's the one that everyone can kind of sink their teeth into because it's like, oh, solar panels. But the one that's harder to sink your teeth into is instead of a structural multiplier of whatever 1.5 now it's 1.8 right it's like okay how do you measure that but you see that in the final construction cost it's more insidious it happens like so slowly that people don't even notice until they see their construction costs go up and they're like why is it so expensive to build why right Uh and it's because the overall country building code gets more and more strict and expensive over time Love it. And Joe, this is helping us, I think, for our listeners of going, man, when you're balancing buying an existing home here in the South Bay versus a new home, there's merit to a lot of these things because I'm going, man, there are areas in Rancho Palos Verdes you can pick off homes still between $600 and $700 a square foot. If you were to build in that area, and maybe you're not going a full $700 because it's not as luxury as Manhattan Beach or, or a Queen's Necklace view, but if you're buying... 650 a square foot, but to build that same home, it's going to cost you 625 and you're getting the land thrown in for free. That seems like a decent buy, just throwing out the comps long-term of going building costs are going to be higher anyway, where on the flip side, if you buy a new construction home at $1,200 a square foot, that's luxury, Mm -hmm. and it costs someone 700 bucks a square foot, but they also had to buy the land. They also had to wait two to three years to get it out of the ground. Maybe that isn't such a bad deal anyway to just have a new home or if you bought a home built three years ago that has solar that has the caissons that has all the concrete you're getting a lot more for your money maybe because it's trading to comps that are maybe 50 years old you're getting my wheels turning right and thinking of costs and value you have your heartbeat on the market. One, not I know you do more than just architecture. You have your own home. You're an investor. Before we get to that part, you, I love checking in with you on your business because you sometimes are that canary in the coal mine of where the market's going, where you go, hey, Richard, I'm getting a lot less calls to build new homes. And that's a sign that maybe the economy's slowing. Or you're going, hey, I'm getting the same amount of calls We're coming up with plans, but only half the people are deciding to actually build because they're realizing how expensive as it is. What are you seeing today versus a year or two ago? And what does that tell you about the market maybe in the next six to 12 months based on your business and architecture? Well, let me start with what's been happening kind of like during the pandemic and post-pandemic up to probably got a month or two ago, maybe three. So you have some new ago. updates for I have us some as new, of a month. New, okay, new this is going to be juicy. Yeah. Before that, I mean, we were slammed. I got to say our phone was ringing off the hook. It was, Pre-pandemic, you were slammed. We were getting phone calls, must have been 
five, six a day. That's amazing. In 2019, Mm -hmm. because the market dipped, Manhattan Beach dipped by 2% in 2019. The market was a little soft, not a big deal, but like, that's amazing. It was actually, it was all the way from 2019 until just a few months ago. Okay. You've been strong 19 till a couple months. Yes, exactly. Six calls a day. That's about right. My gosh. Yeah. You're also Joe Spear. No, no, no. You know? <laughs> that's, not what I, that's not what I was going to say. <laughs> no, no. The, what, what I was going to say is, is the vast majority of them didn't turn into actual business. Mostly, I was able to kind of refer those out. Mm-hmm. and Smaller right. remodels. We can only you know. take on a certain number of projects of course, anyway. Of right? course. And you're right. Most of them are not a good fit. Mm-hmm. Most of them, they don't even, so most of them, I'd say about half don't even need an architect. And I say, oh, well, you just need this or that. Yeah, a general you know? contractor to redo right. your bathroom or, you just, or something like that. You know, your pipe burst, just call a plumber. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Teaching home, rookie home. Exactly. Owners, of course. So that was a rare one, by the way. Yeah, right. But I would say it was incredible for those last few years. We've been very busy. We've been growing. It's been great. I would say the last two or three months, the call volume, like you mentioned, you mentioned call volume. I think as we've talked about this Mm -hmm. a little bit, has decreased. We're now getting maybe three or four calls a week now. So six calls a day yep. to three or four calls. So let's add on a good case of one call a day or a 0.75 calls a right. day compared to six calls a day so as of two months ago. Yeah. Now, now we're still very lucky. Those calls are actually, it's fewer calls, but it's calls that actually seem to they're be- They're your core clients. They're more our core clients, mm-hmm. right? They're, ref- they're strong referrals. They're from people that didn't just find us on the internet, but they know that we're the right fit. And so- We've still, we just signed three new projects in the last few weeks, Awesome, right? Which is great. It helps, you know, we basically, that can take us for months and months and months. Another year. But basically I am seeing a change. I'm seeing a major change. And I actually had uh, yesterday for the first time in years, I had a client cancel because of interest rates. Wow. Like their construction loan interest rate or just their construction loan interest rate. Mm -hmm. And then what they're anticipating their final 30 year when they refi, when when they refi, they're, they're worried. And so they said, we're canceling this. They said for now, right. They could come Um, back. They could come back. Right. Mm -hmm. But they said we had actually fully designed it. And they said, and it was right after we had, we had just presented last week, the 3d and the, and the elevations after a long radio silence, he was like, okay, let's see what you guys have done. We presented it to him and he said, oh my God, I love it. And he, in fact, when he, when I spoke to him yesterday, he couldn't stop talking about how amazing it was. It was really, really difficult for him to, to tell us this. And he said, got it. You guys have our permanent referral if you ever need it, but we just, it's too risky for us right now. And so we're not going to move forward with it. So that's interest rates having a direct impact. Probably also the stock market with some of these other clients. Stock market. Crypto. um, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then, you know, upcoming election, they want to kind of know what's going on with that. Mm -hmm. So I think people seem to be more nervous now than they have been, for sure. That's fascinating that that shift has happened. And we kind of saw that shift happen about six months ago here in the housing market. Right. And really, we're slower on our escrows now, as you, as you and I talked offline. And then we've talked to apartment brokers of saying, hey, it's lower, which I want to get into next, because I know you do some investing. So I think it, that's going to help us with your thoughts on the market as well. What, but before I get to that, I want yeah. to give you a couple quick hitters, some design sure. things. So, yeah. And we can get into it if you want, or you just do the answer. But I'm going to give you a quick this or that. You got it. Standalone tubs 
or built-in tubs. <laughs> okay, so let me, let me clarify. Let me clarify. <laughs> this, this is hard because I know you're. But you like d- you just you just want the quick answer. Now, I'm giving you these quick, and it's like, okay. look. But if you want to, we can do that, and then we can go into a little. Okay, all right, all right. I'll, let's go through some quick stuff. All okay. right. So the quick answer is standalone. Standalone. Yes. Okay. Shiplap or drywall. You're you're giving me you're giving me these tough ones because I want because to talk Noah, about some, some of them. No, let's stop because this isn't fair for an architect. <laughs> I've done this with like interior designers. Right, and they'll right, have right. You, you're right. This is maybe unfair questions because standalone tubs, yeah, really work in some designs, absolutely. And others they don't. Whereas shiplap. And we use both. So you use use it all. This isn't fair, and I don't want to (laughs) pigeonhole you. Fine, fine. Why don't you jump into? Why don't you tell us? Because, for instance, I get a ship. You're not going to put shiplap in potentially a Spanish home, right? And vice versa, right? But why don't you then? I'll put it in your hands before we get to the investment part, and we'll just touch on this briefly. What is a design trend that you love or you feel is timeless, and what is a trend that you wish would just go away? And you don't need to spend too much time on it, but just give us an answer and give us a quick thing and then we'll move on to investing. Okay, something that I wish would go away. So here's here's the thing. Let me talk more about the, t- you yeah. brought up a perfect one, okay? So the freestanding tub. Mm-hmm. I think that freestanding tubs are gorgeous and they make magazines and they're amazing looking, right? People love them because, I mean, look, they're picture worthy mm-hmm. and, and you put one in front of a view and it's amazing, right? right. You imagine yourself there just kind of staring off into the, into the whatever, you know, the wilderness or the right. beach or whatever it is, right? Which none of us have time for baths anyway right. these days, exactly. but of course we can imagine it. Right. <laughs> but from what I've heard, for people that actually take a bath... Mm-hmm. They're not great. The standalone tubs. Yes. And the reason is because where do you put everything? Where do you put your wine glass? Right. Exactly. Or your book. Where do you or put everything? Candles. Right. And then also getting in and out can be a little tougher too, right? So not all my clients are the young 30-year-olds that are kind of running around right. and barely, they don't even have kids yet. And They're right? flexible. Exactly. They're still like Sergio over here <laughs> running six miles a day. Right. I mean, I'd say a good number of them are in their 60s or right. 70s. And how do you get in and out of one of a those standalone, things? That's tricky business. Right. So I'm 37. I'm questioning whether I can get out, get out of a right. standalone Exactly. Tub. Exactly. And then I would say the other trend that I think needs to change a little bit mm-hmm. is, that you see on all like the HG channels is everyone says, I love open concept. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I think it's important to have the openness between spaces. Sure. But you do need some separation, right? A hundred percent, Joe. And the trend right now is to just blow every wall away, mm-hmm. every single one keep the bedroom wall, right? But the problem is, and it's, well, here's what we found in the pandemic, right? Is everyone was in the same space and there was no privacy and there was no kind of sanctuary. You beat me to this. I was going to say that the pandemic changed everything. It changed everything. Mm-hmm. And also people don't have to quarantine anymore, mm-hmm. but we did learn a valuable lesson from that, which is a home needs to have spaces in it. It's not just a box. It's a thoughtfully put together place that has different types of moments, right? Mm -hmm. If you're cooking in the kitchen, you do want that conversation with people in the living room, but maybe, maybe it's not an echo chamber. Here's the other thing is hard surfaces are huge, right? So I don't, I don't love carpet. Okay. Mm -hmm. However, one of the things that we lost with carpet is kind of the sound 
that you basically absorb sound, Absolutely. the sound absorption. And so everything is hard now. You've got the hard ceiling and the hard floor. And at this point, you've got sound just ricocheting all over the place. And it makes for a very, it feels, everything feels like a steakhouse right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so we push our clients to use some more sound absorbent materials. And then also to say, do you really want everything open? You've got your great room. You've got your kitchen open to your family room, open to your dining room. Don't you want that den to be maybe off on its own? Sure. Where are your kids going to go if they want to play video games? Quiet right? place with a fire. Yeah, the kids go off somewhere or you're having a party and everyone can be loud here, but yep. then maybe someone needs some time away working from home. Exactly. Yeah. I think that that's the one thing. Because again, HGTV, it, everyone says, oh, well, let's tear down that wall and that wall and that wall. But then I don't think they come back afterwards and see if they're really actually happy with every wall coming down. And, and I've seen this trend just to touch on. I've seen some spec homes where it was everything was open and there was a home in Lanada Bay that got resold and was purchased by an interior designer. And she actually dropped down posts and pony walls and little set. Just it was still open, to but it gave space. it gave a definition yes. of space of this is the dining area. And it changed the look of the home just with some two by fours and some posts. Absolutely. And I think you bring up an amazing point of yeah. you can't just have these big open boxes. Right. It feels cold. It feels cold. And also from a use standpoint, it, it's difficult. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. So to end the show, Joe, I know you are an investor at heart. You've taken maybe the different route of buying income properties and lived in them or invested in them early in your career, et cetera. Tell us what you're seeing in the market. Tell us what you're investing in or what you like to specialize in. And and any this this is your you, you know next it. 10 minutes to tell us uh, your thoughts because you're more than just an architect. I, I am. So I have a side business where we buy apartment complexes and we syndicate them. So basically what that means is we buy a single apartment complex and we will bring on anywhere from 10 to 30 investors to invest with us in a particular purchase. And the idea is we want to hold these for income over time and for appreciation over time. And these are great long-term investments. And so we buy about one a year, I would say, is about our trend. That is probably where things are going to go here in the future as well. So what I'm seeing right now, and rents have been very strong for a long time. They're been, sticky. They're always sticky here in the South Bay. Right. And, and they've, been, they've been increasing and increasing and increasing. California has, uh, of course, they have rent control now all across mm -hmm. the state. And we were worried that we were going to be limited at a certain point because, you know, you can only increase a certain percentage of what it was before. And what we're finding right now, and again, just the last few weeks, is that rents are a little lower. Soft. Right? They're a little soft. So basically, you'd think with inflation that it would just continue to go up. But they have softened and we're having to cut a deal here or uh, lower the rent a little bit over here. Mm -hmm. So we are seeing this trend that we're talking about in the architecture practice, which is you know where I spend 98% of my time, is also happening over here in the real estate business where you were seeing rents If you're paying more for groceries and gas and right. cars, there's not enough left over to pay those big rental prices exactly. anymore. So you're seeing that. And how is that affecting 
investments is are those apartment buildings you're looking at are they coming down in value are they stable i think they're stable okay. they up until today they've been really just increasing at a, a crazy clip mm-hmm. right the value has just gone up i don't even know how to say it just a ton right i would say right now it seems to be stable so people are still buying multifamily. I talk to commercial brokers and they're they're buying, they're selling. They're people still, believe in it. People believe people in multifamily. People need a place to live. I think that maybe they're sitting a little bit longer or they're not trading as quickly, you know, but things are still happening right now. And long term, you're still bullish on apartments. And oh, you just go, hey, if 100%. I can buy one a year, if you I'm look a at man. If you look at any 10-year period mm-hmm. in the history of the United States, any 10-year period, any slice, mm-hmm. right, the real estate market is better than it was 10 years, 10 years down previous. Right? That's in, in That includes in homes, the Great Depression. Inclu- that's that includes the Great Recession. That includes anything that's happened. I am very pro real estate. Obviously pro multifamily. You live in the South Bay. What's your opinion on, on homes? Are you just as confident as that of going, hey, the clients I'm seeing come in and the stuff they're building and there's no more land. Do you feel confident about that? Or do you go, hey, homes, they got overheated because of low 3% interest rates. And now they're at six to seven. Do you think maybe short term? Short term. It's a little overheated. Oh, and then, 100%. And then, but long term. Well, that's why, I said, that's why I said 10-year period, right? 10-year period homes will If be you look too. at a two-year period, you know, it can be amazing or it can be horrifying, mm-hmm. right? Right. And I think, I think we're in, it's not horrifying right now, but I think we're seeing something, right? We're seeing a correction. And I would say if you're looking to make quick money, you're more likely to do well right now in Vegas than you are in real estate. But if you're looking for a stable long-term investment, if you're going to buy a house and you're going to live there for five, 10 years at least, God, now is still a great time to buy. Sure. I love it, Joe. I love your insight. All right, number one, we learned so much about PV architecture and planning and zoning. Same with Hermosa, Manhattan Beach. We got to have you on to talk about ADU laws another time. We got to have you on to talk about, there's so much we can talk about with you. And I'd love to check in with you every six to 12 months. If not, we even do like a podcast phone call to be like, Joe has has those two to five calls a week. Has that slowed down or has that picked up again? Because I think that's going to be a big indicator of where this housing market goes. So we'd love to have you back. Well, you're a great interviewer. This was, this was wonderful. I was so happy to be on this podcast with you. I had a great time with you. We'd love to have you back again before we let you go. Where can our listeners find you? We have tons of listeners looking to do big remodels or build their homes. You just Google my name, Joseph Spear or Joseph Spear Architects, and I'll pop up You'll all pop over the up, place. pop up or they can call us. Why don't you give them your Instagram handle so they can see all the beautiful designs that you're doing? That's a great question, <laughs> and I don't remember it. I think, you're, Sergio, <laughs> what do we got? We can't leave the articles hanging. You obviously have your team run your Instagram yeah. page. Well, so I, I know everything that goes up. Up there and I approve mm-hmm. everything that happens on Instagram and I love Instagram. Right. I just and I know it's at Joseph Spear Architects. It, it but, could be JSA Architects. I feel about. But I think I think that there's a. Sir, it's because Sergio. Well, I'll bring it up right now. I follow your stuff all the time. Got you got it. What do we got, Sergio? What's the handle? Right. 
There it is. It's joseph.spearer.architects. There you go. There's so dots spear. in there. Yeah, Spear, S-P-I-E-R-E-R. -E -R. There you go. Don't miss it, Joe. Thank you for joining us again. We'll have you back. I appreciate and, uh, that. And we really appreciate you. All right, thanks All right, a lot. take care. <laughs>